0: Today on Locked On Canadians, the training camp roster is out and there's like 45 million people on it. So we'll break down who we want to see the most from uh, and who we think will stick around the longest. And then it's the end of an era as P.K. Subban retires. We're going to look back on what he brought to the Habs and all that's coming up and more on today's Locked On Canadians. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 689. My name is Laura Abel, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Metla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And, Scott, there's literally a Habs game on Monday.
1: Yeah, uh, there's the red-white scrimmage on Sunday, and then they play the New Jersey Devils on Monday the 26th. And uh, where did the summer go? Like, it feels like we were just wrapping up free agency like two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden we have a training camp roster with 74 players on it and that is that's not a typo they invite players. 74 players 7-4 seven, like they invited every single contracted player in the organization on an entry-level deal or you know that is a draft pick able to attend so those who are playing in europe um like oliver kapanen adam Engström, the college guys will not be here just because European guys don't want to interrupt their season and college guys can't because the NCAA is corrupt and terrible. And I look at this and everyone who could be there is there. And they only have, let's see here. One, two, three, I believe four PTOs. One is Pierre Dubé, who was likely to get a contract with the Lions. And one now playing defense, John Parker Jones, the six foot seven gentle giant who uh, was, a, was the subject of many uh, – many a gaze at the prospect showcase and then two goalies it's it feels good to look at this in front of me and see all these familiar names and everything again and uh there are two notes that i took from this besides the fact that they brought basically in the entire province of quebec and um the maritimes to this training camp is paul byron logan Mayu, and carrie price are listed as injured. Uh Logan Mayu and Carey Price were not surprising, but there was rumors that Paul Byron might be ready for the start of the season. And not on that list is Sean Monahan, who we thought is might a not
0: surprise, But Go, right the go start ahead, of go the ahead. Season, <laughs> the start of the season is 24 days away, according to I, I think it was the Montreal Canadiens that tweeted this. Um It's 24 days away. Like, this is a very long training camp in preseason. It is It is honestly, like, it seems much longer than I'm used to. So I do think that it's possible that Paul Byron might be ready by then, but he's just on the injury list now. Um, That was my thought. But as you said, Sean Monaghan is not on it. He himself felt pretty confident that he would be ready. Um, Or was it Kent Hughes that was confident that he would be ready? And he was like, I'm not sure. Either way, we don't want him to have a setback. That's the whole idea.
1: Yeah. Like, and the thing is, is that the good thing is, Sean Monahan and a lot of these guys who are likely locks for the NHL roster are not going to have to play. I believe the Hebbs are playing eight preseason games. They may only have to play, you know, two or three of them. They have so many bodies here that the first couple of games, you're going to see some, uh, I don't want to call them ugly lineups, but they are not going to be the prettiest of groups. You're going to see lines where guys like Donic Martell are going to be playing in the top six. And some of these bottom six guys, AHL fringe guys are be- going to be given a chance to, you know, show us what you got basically. And that's fine. The biggest thing out of all this, I'm very excited to see Kirby doc because I think if anyone on this team is going to play the most in this preseason, Kirby Doc might be that guy as they try and figure out what they have in him and on this coaching staff. And I think he's someone besides some of the prospects I'm going to be, you know, kind of honed in on the most because he's, he was a huge part of this off season. I mean, Slavkovsky obviously going to play a, a bunch, but Kirby Dock was a, uh, a huge statement trade from Ken Hughes. So I'm very excited to see kind of what he can do uh, now that he's uh, in Montreal.
0: I I think that's probably the biggest question mark, aside from who the Canadians are going to be able to trade, is Kirby Dock. Because, I mean, we can talk about, for example, where's Caden Gooley going to end up? Like, what are they going to do with Slavkovsky? But those were going into the season, those were the big questions that existed anyway, right? Like, where was their number one overall pick going to play? Whoever it was. Um, And now, like, what do they do do with his development? With Caden Gooley, like, where do they put him? Um, You know, things like that. Like, who's going to make out of the defense? Who's going to make the roster? Uh, Other than, you know, who else are they going to trade in their, like, you know, logjam of forwards and, um, you know, the thousands of players that they currently have right now uh, is Kirby Duck and what he's going to bring. Is his wrist injury still going to be uh, holding him back? Is he going to be fitting in with this lineup? What was their plan for him? And is it going to pan out? I think that's going to be an important question that's going to be answered this season. And I think it's fair you know, a lot, of, a lot of Habs fans were down on the trade. Some people were positive on the trade. A lot of people like us were kind of like, well, we, we have an impression of him from his days in Chicago. Uh, also, you know, the wrist injury and everything. Like, we have kind of a preconceived notion of him, but we really want to see him with what Kent Hughes had in mind when he traded for him. Like, what did he envision? So, like, when they put him in that position, is he going to be able to succeed? I think, um, I think for me as well, it's going to be telling which veterans they do play because other than somebody like Kirby Doc you can kind of maybe tell maybe they're trying to showcase people or they're trying to see what they have and see who they can release or you know release in in the form of a trade for assets but that kind of stuff like i have to be careful when i say release in <laughs> in training camp context uh I, I just i find that having so many players just means Kind of like you pointed out, Scott, is that there's going to be frequent cuts.
1: Yeah. Like I'm looking at the defense here. There's 20 guys here, and I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like I see at least half of these guys not being even close to locks for the NHL. Some will go back to junior and some are signed to AHL only deal. So they're definitely going there in the first place. Same with the forward group guys like Martel guys like Emil Poirier are going to be going to the AHL no matter what, because they have to my, I'm curious what guys like Anthony Richard, Nate Schnarr, um, and Mitchell Stevens, those guys who are likely destined for at best a fourth line role in Montreal. What can they do in this preseason to boost their stock to maybe they're one of the surprise pieces and they beat out somebody and there's a trade or someone else gets sent to the rocket. And what can they do to kind of build their stock with the rocket itself? Because I imagine once they're cut from here, they'll still be around to like maybe skate in Brassard, but they're just going to be waiting for AHL training camp to open up here. It's, it's for both of that. And you're gonna see a lot of guys that are gonna feature with the rocket this year and prospects are not so I, I get that people might be a little on edge because there's no Ptos or anything but I kind of understand it as well why not go through the giant amount of people you have on hand first before you start bringing even more into the fold in that case
0: I absolutely agree with you and it, it, you know it is it's a it's a preseason with very many games right so they're gonna they're gonna be able to play a lot of people and kind of see what they've got some people might not even play a game right like some people are just probably here for the atmosphere and then and and to kind of get the, get that sort of training camp experience with all the coaches uh but in the meantime we are going to turn our attention over to uh some major news today in the world of hockey three defensemen retired and we're going to talk about the two that had the most impact on the Montreal Canadiens good and bad and all of that is coming up next but first betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season find all the latest football league developments game matchups news and podcasts including this year's opening week's game online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. And just before we start uh, discussing our... I mean, I guess it's really big news... Uh, Just a big programming note. We are going to have a Friday mailbag this time, unless major news breaks and, you know, huge things happen, but we are recording it on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. So the day that you hear this podcast, please send over your mailbag questions. You can send them in the YouTube comments. You can also email them to us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, And you can tweet them at us at Twitter, LO underscore Canadians. I'll put out a call on Twitter as well, but it will be the mailbag will be on Friday. But due to my life circumstances, we're recording it on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thanks, everybody. So, Scott, um, today, two, I mean, three defensemen retired and two of them had a major impact on the Montreal Canadiens story over the last, I'd say, decade and a half, maybe,
1: yeah, um, it, it was quite a day to be a defenseman in the NHL here. Uh, Keith Yandel started the day with a retirement, and that was early. Uh, Zdeno Chara announced his shortly after that. And then shortly after that, uh, P.K. Subban announced his uh, retirement from the NHL at 33 years old. And uh, we kind of talked a little bit a, a couple of times this summer about Subban potentially coming in as like a PTO option or as just a cheap, you know, one-year mentor for the Canadians but you know, he thought it was time. And the biggest thing out of all of this, that PK Subban retiring is going to be a major coup for whichever network is smart enough to give him the airtime, whether it be during intermissions or whatever, give PK Subban the airtime because he's the personality and breath of life that uh, the media around this sport needs. And the guy gets it. He's, he's electric and it, it, it does feel very weird that uh in the last year like um the the backbone of the Canadians for the better part of a decade you know Suban and price are now gone or well not gone carry price is still around but likely is done playing hockey and PK suban's retired it it's a very weird feeling and it almost would feel very um cliche or um almost overdone like you wouldn't believe it that the two former best friends are going to go out at the exact same time uh hockey's a lot different when pk Subban's not playing i know he's not the guy he once was but when he's on it's it was can't miss hockey it's uh it's wild to, from being the rookie called up in the 2010 playoffs to norris winner to stanley cup finalist to whatever lies ahead it's uh it's been quite a road for PK Subban since he was drafted by the Canadians in 2007.
0: I hate the word polarizing figure because that's what people say about him a lot. Uh, I think, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, he was somebody that I uh, was extremely fun to watch on the ice. I think, you know, a lot of people thought that he was too lots of things. I don't think so. Just imagine you get to play the game of hockey and make millions of dollars for a living would you not be loving life would you not be enjoying exuberantly every moment on the ice i personally like i thought that you know people are like oh he jaws too much but he shut fans up opposing opposing fans up so many times right like as 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 a habs fan just like it makes me sad that he had those injury problems. And it also makes me wonder because there are so many rumors and it's easy, like in hindsight to say things like that is like, maybe the Bergevin uh, front office knew that he had those back problems that he wasn't going to be able to play through. Um, You know, that, that there, and, and that, you know, that was kind of the, the precipitation for his career, uh, the downward, I wouldn't say a spiral, but a decline, Um, you know, I, I, and it's sad because that there was a lot of skill there. And I just remember just, Every time he got the puck, you would hold your breath and just kind of see, like, what's he going to do now? And sometimes it was mistakes, but he was so good at recovering his mistakes. Like, that was something that, for me, it's a debate that we have about offensive defensemen all the time, is that they make a mistake, a defensive lapse, whatever, and then they go and they recover, but people don't see the recovery. They always see... The mistake and so like there was a lot of criticism about him but I was always unabashedly 100% a PK Subban fan um even when he was doing anything frustrating on the ice like as a Montreal Canadiens fan watching him on the ice bothering the opponent um skating circles around the opponent you know that shot that power play that you know just that 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 attitude and I I just always loved it and he had like this confidence that he used as a strength. He didn't see it as a weakness or he used it as a strength. And I just, you know, just, just, I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to say. And I think for me, the fact that the entire time that he was here, Boston fans hated his guts and Toronto fans wanted him on their team says a lot.
1: The the wild part is to me is that PK Subban played with swagger and more often than not, he could back that up because at his peak, he was that, Damn good at what he did. I remember that quote after game six against Boston where he said he was going to go into TD Garden and he was going to take the energy and joy away from everyone in that building. And then he went out and did that. He was unstoppable in that series. When he got on a track, and sometimes he tunnel visioned it a little bit, a little bit too much sometimes, you might argue. But when he wanted to do something, he went and sold out for that he did everything he possibly could to make that happen when it comes to you know bleeding you know the canadians colors i don't think anyone could argue that anyone did it more than pk Subban did uh, at least back when he was playing here he was everything that the organization needed he was exciting he could back it up he could do everything And the circumstances of his departure in that trade, you know, we're not going to rehash that trade again because no one wants to hear that. But PK Subban drew breath every single time in the Bell Center. He got the puck, and everyone is just watching PK Subban. And as exciting as Cole Caulfield is, and exciting as Nick Suzuki is, as promising as Uri Slavkovsky is, no one since PK Subban has commanded that kind of energy from the bell center and no one thrived on it more you put the spotlight on care on well yes Carey price but on pk Subban, and you're only making him more powerful there is nothing that that guy wouldn't try to overcome and uh i really do wish we could have seen him stay in montreal a couple more years or through the end of his career whatever it might be i'm very sad that he's retiring um but i do like i said off the top of the segment i really hope Someone out there, ESPN, Sportsnet, whoever, get P.K. Subban on the phone immediately and get him into your sets in your studios. You're only going to make people happy doing that
0: and we are going to have a couple more things about pk Subban in our next segment we're each going to pick our favorite pk Subban moment in montreal and we're going to talk about it and then we're going to turn our attention to a less auspicious legacy very complicated relationship we have with one of the greatest defensive players of all time and that's all coming up in just one moment all right scott i had a really hard time picking this one out because I think everybody goes with the uh, overtime goal against Boston to extend the series as their top PK moment. I personally feel like I just I like the triple low fives and the friendship with with Carey Price for his on ice sort of moments, and I think the the um, the children's hospital legacy is for me the biggest one uh, off the ice. I think like those are my two singular favorite PK moments.
1: I think for me, non-related to like directly to the sport, like him playing in the Canadians uniform, his friendship with um, Madame Bellevaux after Jean Bellevaux's passing is one of those things that, you know, it was very touching because that was... um that was a, it was almost a meeting of generations. You know, Jean Beliveau was this very calm and composed, generous player off the ice and PK Subban embodied a lot of those similar things. He made time for fans and for children and anyone who was, you know, in need of that. I've been reading stories on Twitter about all of his visits to the children's hospital and everything else. And that's, that's important. That's what makes you a great Canadians player. and, if we're talking Anai's stuff, his Game 3 goal against the Bruins coming out of the penalty box at the Bell Center, uh, we everyone talks about it. Like, Andrew Berkshire I was there. The roof seemed like it was going to collapse. Just from the, cho- the joy and the cheering and everything going on, it just it, – you couldn't beat it. It's the loudest I think I've ever heard the Bell Center, and I really wish – that we could have seen more of that throughout the future. But like on ice, that is the one moment that sticks out. And then, of course, um, personally, because I love a a good bit of trash talk, I think it was Subban's first or second game in the NHL. Chris Pronger goes to lay him out, and P.K. Subban ducks away from it. And instead of continuing with the play, he turns around, looks at Hockey Hall of Famer Chris Pronger, tells him, suck it, Prongs, and continues to skate away. It infuriated Mike Richards so much, he just never let him forget it. It's truly one of the funniest things, at least, you know, on my end of things, because I love a little bit of trash talk.
0: Also, the hit on Brad Marchand, where he absolutely just, he was like, it was a mid-ice hit, and he, it was like he didn't even move, and Brad Marchand was flattened. Um, so those two things. Also, speaking of the Bruins, Zdeno Chara. Uh, also oh. announced his retirement today. Um, and <laughs> in basically most places outside of Montreal, uh, he is considered, you know, one of the best defensemen to ever play the game. I think in Montreal, there would have been a begrudging respect for him if if not for the Max Pacioretty hit. In fact, like a couple of years ago, people applauded him. I think, I can't remember what milestone he hit. might've been a thousand games or something. Um or even even more. Anyway, the Bell Center faithful applauded him and got a lot of criticism for him. I think that I would honestly, I just have I, I just hate him forever because of that Max Pacioretty hit and the way that he dealt with the aftermath. It wasn't the hit itself as much as it was the aftermath that really bothered me. But there's a couple of things about about Zdeno chera that I think are positive. One is the charity work that he does, and the fact that you know he he would climb I think it was Kilimanjaro every year uh, for charity and just like all of those things that he does, which again, don't erase the Max Pacioretty hit. Um, and then there were some dirty plays that he had and it was always like against like Brendan Gallagher or some other hab, you know, like it was always the Canadians that, that, um, that he was, uh, that, that were the receiving end that were on the receiving end of these things. So like, it really, really bothered me. But the other thing that, um, I also like about him is that he, was really funny about himself like you know we've all seen the picture where he dresses up like a bunny uh to go to the children's hospital this was something that I'd completely forgotten but Jared Book pointed it out on Twitter and actually pulled up the video was that there was this McDonald's Big Mac campaign outside the Bell Center where they asked a bunch of Habs fans what they would do for a Big Mac and they asked if they would hug uh Zdeno Chara and Chara I keep saying Chara uh but it's Chara and um and he came out from behind like this board and is like, what are you talking about? And then got, got a whole bunch of Canadians players, uh, Canadians fans to hug him for a Big Mac, which I thought was really, really funny. Like he definitely had a sense of humor about himself, has a sense of humor about himself. He's not dead. He's just retired. Um, I just, I really hate the aftermath of that. Like it wasn't like the hit was bad. Thankfully, Max Pacioretty recovered. But the way that he behaved after that, that's the thing that really bothered me.
1: I'm of the same thought because Zdeno Chara, by all accounts, off the ice is just a, a a gentle giant. He's a very kind-hearted person. He's very well-spoken. He, you know, makes time. He's always very polite with the media and everything. And but it's so hard that I know he's this kind of person, but like that hit because you're upset. And the only reason it wasn't suspended, and I I didn't want to do a thing on player safety here. He wasn't suspended because Gregory Campbell's dad was running the Department of Player Safety at the time and went, ah, whoopsie-doodle, the playoffs are coming up. We can't suspend the captain of the Bruins. That would hurt my son's chances at winning a Stanley Cup. And nothing happened. He broke a dude's neck and got away with it because he was mad about being shoved after a goal. Like, come on. It's he did. He got away with so much crap in the NHL. Like he cross-checked Brendan Gallagher in the face and got fined $2,500 for it despite it being blatant. He did what he did to patch already. He's done God knows what else to other players. And I look at this and I go, he was a dirty on-ice player. And yeah, he was great off the ice, a very nice person. But it's such a complicated legacy. I am I am old enough to remember the Bell Center. He took a puck to the face after Thomas Blacanis tried to clear it. And the Bell Center laughed and cheered for several minutes as he was bleeding versus, you know, giving him an applause for however many games played or whatever it is. It's a very tough balance to strike in that. Yeah. He's all these things, but he's also all these other awful things too. And for me, it's like, I'm, you know, he's done, he's retired. It is what it is, but it, I, I, I still go back and forth on this in that, you know, He's a nice enough guy, but I never want to see another player like him in the NHL for several reasons, all of which relate to the safety of our own players.
0: Yeah. And I think also there's just, you know, there's there's so few guys that are that size that can stay on their feet. Right. And I think. As time goes on, there's more value for rover type players. There's more value for more mobile, smaller, more agile defensemen. And like, I do think that he was one of the greatest to play the game, especially in this era. I just, I find that like, we're kind of phasing that out now and the NHL tomorrow is going to look very different. But the exciting thing is that there's a training camp and the Montreal Canadiens are on the first step to joining that tomorrow. Uh, that future please do not forget to send us your mailbag questions because i know that this is the wednesday episode however uh, we are recording wednesday night so you can send them to us in the youtube comments Uh, you can also email us at loctoncanadians at gmail.com and you can tweet them to us at lo underscore canadians thank you so much for listening when you're done listening to this check out locked on nhl where they are following all the storylines to start the season